Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and dedicated to being in right relationship with one another and with ourselves and with our planet. We come from a long history of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. One of the ways we greet the divine on a Sunday morning when we are all gathered together here is turning to the people to our right and left and welcoming them here. So we do that in the comments right now when we're meeting virtually. If you have access to comments, please do greet one another from the divine spirit within you. And if you come from far away, please let us know where you're coming from. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. The Guest House by Rumi, translated by Coleman Barks. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight, the dark thought the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Congregation wrote a mission statement to guide us as we move together into the future. We wrote it on the wall of our sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday. Let us say it together now. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. 
Every Sunday morning, we have a moment for beloved community where those of us who identify as white and those of us who are people of color all have a chance to hear something about our white supremacy culture. And today, I want to tell you about uh, an attorney who is living in a very nice neighborhood with his son. They're both black. The whole His family is black. And they got a package delivered by the Amazon driver, but it was to the wrong address. And the package was supposed to go one block over and one street over. Now, he said, you might wonder why I don't just have my 14-year-old son run over there with the package and put it on their porch. He said, this package is going to stay on my porch until uh, the UPS person comes to pick it up and take it to the correct address. And you know why? Because even in our lovely neighborhood, my lovely 14-year-old black son is not going to be safe if I sent him another block down and another street over where he might be met at the door by a homeowner with a pistol or a shotgun. People see young black men as older than they are and as more threatening than they mostly are. He said, it's not safe for us to do things like run a package over to another address. Just think about that. Carl Sagan was a white American astronomer, astrophysicist, and author. Our meditative reading comes from The Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark, a book he co-wrote with Andrian. He wrote, For me, it's far better to grasp the universe as it really is than to persist in delusion, however satisfying and reassuring. Let us now enter into a time of meditation and prayer together today, where we listen or speak to God as we understand God, where we listen to our inner wisdom, or where we just watch our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. Let us pray together. We breathe together on this day that's been called Mother's Day, this day that started out as such a radical pacifist day and got so quickly co-opted into hearts, chocolate, and flowers, not that there's anything wrong with those. We sit in gratitude for all who have mothered us. We sit with responsibility for all the projects and people that call for mothering from us, no matter what our gender might be. Many of us had wonderful mothers, and many of us had terrible mothers, and many of us had something in between. Please let us learn to be grateful for all of it as it is all part of who we are now. As we grow and as we transform, we are grateful.
And now I invite you to light a candle of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance, or determination. Today I'm going to tell you the story of how one spiritual teacher found the secret to peace and happiness. A good place to start is with the beautiful Hindu princeling who at his birth was prophesied by a holy man that he was going to be a great noble, a great warrior, a great holy man. His father decided to eliminate the whole holy man possibility by building this princeling, a castle of his own, a palace with whatever he wanted. He had everything a young man could want. When he was 16, he was given a most beautiful wife, and they had children that he loved with his whole heart. 
but he was not allowed to go outside the gates of the castle until one day he just decided he was going out. He called his charioteer, his driver, and they went out. On the road, outside the palace, he saw an old man. And he said to his driver, what in the world is wrong with that man? And the driver said, sire, he's old. How did that happen? Well, it happens to all of us. Then he saw a person who was sick. And he said, what's the matter with that person? And the driver said, he's, he's sick, sire. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, it happens to a lot of people. Then he saw a dead body. What in the world is wrong with that person? Sire, he's dead. And that, that happens to everybody? Yes, sire, it happens to everybody. And then they passed an, a Hindu ascetic, a man who was striving for holiness by denying his body any comforts, food, washing, good restful sleep. If you deny yourself enough, maybe you can become more spiritual was the thought behind that. He asked what was wrong with that person and the driver said, Sir, that's a holy man striving for wisdom. All of these experiences just stuck in the mind and heart of this prince and he decided that he was going to seek wisdom and so the only way he knew to do it was the ascetic way and he left his family and left his palace and began to wander the streets as a Hindu ascetic holy man starving himself until his belly button touched his spine sleeping rough not washing other holy men began to travel with him as his disciples and there came a time when he felt that I'm doing all this ascetic self-denial and it's not bringing me to a space of wisdom and spirituality I'm just not getting there and so a little girl offered him a bowl of rice and he took it and ate it and the five ascetics who were following him were horrified and then he took a bath in the river and got clean and they were horrified again and just left him and he sat down to meditate under a beautiful tree and said to himself I'm not getting up until I attain enlightenment so the faith story goes that that night, the demon Mara, the demon of illusion, tempted him with money and power and beautiful women and whatever else it is demons tempt men with. And he held strong. And then when he arose from his meditation, he was an enlightened one. Usually, apparently, the way things work in this faith story, as soon as you attain enlightenment, you go to nirvana. You become one with God. And yet, the king of all gods, Brahman, said to him, do you want to come be one with us, or do you want to stay on earth and teach? And 
the Buddha, which is who he was now, said, I'll stay and teach. And so he did. He taught, even though he didn't feel that he had much to offer, he taught the wisdom that he had attained over the years and under the tree. He taught the middle way that that starving yourself didn't really get you to wisdom and indulging yourself didn't really get you there. But the middle way of moderation is the way to go so that you don't have to pay too much attention to your body, either indulging it or starving it. He began to travel the country and even those five ascetics liked what they heard and came back to follow with him. So I'm telling you that story because I'm starting here uh, to revisit the sermon series uh, that I like to revisit now and then because, you know, thoughts change and experiences change. And so I, I am a... I am a white woman raised in a Protestant culture. I'm a Unitarian Universalist. That's me. I'm a theologically trained woman who is fascinated by the teachings of Buddhism. I would not call myself a Buddhist in the least little bit. But I am interested, and so I'm presenting to you my encounter as who I am with this faith tradition. I am not an expert, and as it goes without saying all the time, I could be wrong. So it's an eight sermon series because the way that one of the ways that Buddhism has uh, organized its thought is is by teaching the eightfold path. And this is not a path where you do one thing and then check it off and do another thing, check it off, third thing, check it off. No, it's like a braided path where you try to practice all eight things um, and in doing that you you create the moral and emotional and physical discipline that helps you uh, attain happiness the first uh, element on the path is right understanding do you get it do you get how things are do you get how things work And the way things work are, or the ways things work are, that people have pain in their lives. But people create suffering along with the pain by clinging to thoughts about what's happening to us, by clinging to hope and a desire that things will turn out a certain way or by clinging to fear that things are going to go a certain way when things are just going to go the way they're going to go and clinging with desire is a good way to get hurt to hurt yourself so suffering is caused by attachment or desire and there is there is suffering in the world because most people are either living in fear or hope or switching back and forth between the two of them really quickly. Um, I like that Buddhism doesn't say you have to give your heart to the Buddha. I like that it doesn't say you have to be 100% all in from the beginning. I like that they say 
just try it and see how it works for you. So getting it, waking up to reality, involves having the clarity to see that there are things that happen and then there are your stories about what happens. And that sometimes your stories about what happened can cause you as much or more pain than the pain of the thing that happened. I mean, I have one friend who has just haunted his whole life by this vision that he has of his funeral and people milling around at his funeral saying, well, it's a shame he never made anything of himself. So... Some of his life is just driven by wanting that not to happen. And other people's lives are just driven by anxiety about, am I going to end up a, a bag lady? Am I going to be a good mother? Am I going to be uh, have a happy marriage? Am I going to be find a partner who really works with me and I can work with them to, to go through life? Are we going to... Are we going to um, have good things happen to us or bad things happen to us? And in a way, we're all just living in this in-between time. Like we had a job interview and we don't know how the job interview went. And so we're waiting with anxiety like, what did I say again? What did they say? How do I read what they said? Or we're like a person who's had a medical test and you're waiting for the results and you go, what if it's terrible? What if it's bad? I hope it's nothing. I fear that it's terrible. I, I don't, what will I do if it's this? What will I do if it's that? And Buddhism says you're causing yourself more suffering than you need to have over these things. The job interview, you either are going to get the job or not. And if you get the job, it'll either be a good fit for you or it won't. The medical test will come back showing what it shows. And then you will decide whether you want to do the next thing or another thing. Grasping with hope and fearing and desiring and having a picture of how you want something to happen. Oh, you're... You know, you're giving a party or you're, you're hosting a conference and you have this picture of how it's going to happen or you're, you're planning a wedding. And uh, when I marry a couple, I always say, you know, three things are going to go wrong. <laughs> and so when you have that idea that three things are going to go wrong, then everybody breathes a little bit better. You just have to understand that you have an idea of what's going to happen And it's probably not going to happen that way. And the stories you tell yourself about what might happen or what did happen can make it worse. You know, John Prine, the songwriter, has a wonderful song that he calls the ha- used to call the Happy Enchilada song. And somebody said, I don't, you don't have a song about a happy enchilada. And he said, well, the song says, uh, that's the way that the world goes round. You're up one day and the next you're down. It's a half an inch of water and you think you're going to drown. That's the way that the world goes round. But he said, some lady said, play the Happy Enchilada song. And I've just called it that ever since. So something bad happens to you and you have this story about why it happened. Like you didn't do something right. You didn't eat right. You didn't exercise right. You didn't talk right. Um, Or 
things go well and you think, oh, that was me. That was all me. And I did things right. Well, you know, yes, maybe, no, maybe, we don't know. Right understanding just says to you, please calm down and see the world for what it is. One of the ways of calming down is by doing uh, meditation. Now, you all know that I am not good at meditation. Fortunately, in Buddhism, there are other ways to meditate. You can chant scriptures and you can um, read. And I, I want to tell you one of the scriptures that can help you let go of thoughts about how things should be. Now, at first, these, called the five remembrances, sound pretty darn depressing. But when you sit with them for a while, I think they're liberating. Because you're acknowledging this is how life is. It's Amazing and wonderful and gorgeous from time to time, and yet people grow old and people grow sick and people die. So, here are the five remembrances I am of the nature to grow old, there is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health, there is no way to escape ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. We'll talk more in another sermon about right action and more about how we are the heir to our actions. But just for this first one, we are to understand that suffering is caused by attachment and desire. When I was a young writer, I used to send out things to different magazines and collections of things and publishers and I had this collection of uh, a box of uh, mailing envelopes that I would send things out in and just by happenstance the little ribbon across the top that covered up the sticky part had on it detach before mailing and every time I would pull that off and send my piece of writing out I would stick the detach before mailing thing up on the bulletin board and think that is a really good advice We're all uh, attached to a number of things every day. And I have a friend who tells the story of her mother-in-law who uh, was a very conscientious woman. And she was in the drive-thru at the bank and the bank teller had sent her a pen to sign her paperwork with. And she dropped the pen and it went underneath the seat of her car and she was digging around underneath the seat of her car trying to grab the pen. And she could touch it with her fingers and even grab it, but with her fingers around the pen she couldn't get her hand back out from underneath the seat. 
And after about five minutes of her holding up the entire bank line, finally the teller just said, Honey, you just keep that pen. You keep that pen. Just don't try to don't try to give me back the pen. But she was attached to that pen and the idea of giving it back, but it's not gonna happen. So she had to let it go. What do you have that you need to let go of? Expectations, desires, hopes, fears. Let's just breathe together and see what life is going to bring next. Let there now be an offering taken to sustain and strengthen this congregation and its mission. We're so grateful to you for donating. Even if you live far away, we appreciate your gifts. If you are a member of a smaller congregation who is struggling right now, please send them a gift instead. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.